Amen, amen. Hey, if you have your Bibles, just real quick, Philippians chapter 4, one verse, verse 18. Philippians chapter 4, verse 18. It was a cold, dark Thanksgiving night 13 years ago, about 11.30 p.m. And I was in Branson, Missouri, waiting in bumper-to-bumper, non-moving traffic, trying to get down into and parked at the Tanger Outlet Mall. If you're familiar with Branson, you know what I'm talking about. And I was there that night, 11.30 p.m., Thanksgiving night, to tie and take advantage of a very special Black Friday deal on a very special gift. I was there for one gift and one gift alone, and people were everywhere. Coming in and out of shops, along the sidewalks, in the parking lot, lines inside and outside the stores. There was chaos, confusion, honking, tense words being exchanged inside our vehicle. And you might be thinking, why go through the trouble? Why go through the trauma, the tribulation, the pain, the agony for one gift? Because this wasn't just any gift. It would be the most expensive gift I had ever purchased and the most meaningful gift I had ever purchased. It was an engagement ring for Stephanie. And if you don't know who that is, that is my wife. She said yes, you don't have to worry. It was an engagement ring for Stephanie. And that gift shows, declares to the world that we are bound together, that we belong to each other, that we are to be with each other forevermore. That gift was given in and received in love. It was given in and received in love. Now in the coming days, especially over these next 24 hours, most of you will gather with family, with friends, with loved ones, and you will surround a tree, and at the bottom of that tree will be presents, and you will begin to exchange gifts. Why will you gather around that tree and exchange gifts? Because those gifts show, they declare that you care for those people, that you love them. These gifts will be given in and will be received in love. But I also want to urge us as we gather around that tree to pause, to reflect on and to rejoice over the fact that God is the great gift giver. And what we celebrate at Christmas is his greatest gift to us. And that gift was given in, and I pray for each one of us has been received in love. For as we've been talking about this morning, for God so loved us, he so loved us that he gave to us Jesus, his one and only son. Jesus, the fullness of God in human form, the exact imprint of God's very nature, The Word, who was with God in the beginning, who was God in the beginning, in whom and by whom all things exist. Jesus, the one who upholds the universe by the word of his power. Jesus, the one who dwells in unapproachable light. Jesus, God's one and only Son, the only human being who can truthfully say that he is also God. And John told us in 1 John 4, 8, as we read earlier, that God is love. Meaning also that Jesus is love in bodily human form. 
And we ultimately see and know his love, not at the cradle, as some have said, but at the cross. For by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us sinners. So much did he love us that he laid down his life for us in order to save us. It's why long ago in Zechariah 9.9 we're told to rejoice greatly. For behold, our king is coming to us. It's why when the magi saw the star they rejoiced. For behold, the king had come into the world. Not just any child to the magi see. But the promised king, Emmanuel, God with us, the light of the world, the word become flesh, God himself, love had arrived. A love that would ultimately and fully be expressed and proved and revealed at Calvary on the cross. So especially at this time of year, as we exchange those gifts, I'm urging us to pause and reflect on and rejoice over the fact that God is the great gift giver. And on that first Christmas, he gave us his greatest gift, Jesus. Behold, the king has come. Love has arrived. However, I also urge us to pause and remember that as John says, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So today on this Christmas Eve, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, as we quickly wrap up our series in Philippians, as we reflect on and rejoice over Jesus and his love for us, we also need to be reminded that just as we have received this love, so are we to reciprocate this love, to embody and to express that love to one another. So remember that this short letter was written by Paul while he was in prison. Prison all because of the message of Jesus. Thus, in this letter, we encounter Paul at a time when he was in extreme darkness. Yet, despite the darkness, Paul was considerate of others. He was content in everything. He was confident for the future, and he was consumed with that spirit of rejoicing. Because Paul knew, behold, our king has come, and our king is coming again. And that changes everything about the past, present, and especially the future. And so Paul, throughout this letter, has sought to compel us, his readers, who might also find ourselves in darkness, to be like Paul, to also be considerate of others, to be content in everything, to be confident for the future, and consume with a spirit of rejoicing. And we might ask, well, how is that possible? It's possible, as Paul has argued, if we adopt and maintain the same mindset as Jesus It's a kind of transformative mindset that enables us to trust and believe that God is with us in the darkness. We're not alone in the darkness. Especially that's the Christmas declaration, Emmanuel, God with us. Even as David wrote some time ago, even as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will not fear for he is with us. God is with us in the darkness and God is still at work in and through the darkness. And one day, God will at one time end the darkness. We shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It is possible with God. If we adopt and maintain the same mindset as Jesus, to be considerate of others, content in everything, confident for the future, and consume with the spirit of rejoicing. And Paul already said in this letter that we have this mindset in Christ. It's already ours. We have it, so we must live it. And now at the end of his letter... He provides a summary, in a way, of everything he's covered. He reminds us, like Jesus did, to set our minds on whatever is true, 
whatever is honorable, whatever is just, we're to think about these things, set our minds on these things, whatever is pure and lovely and commendable, on whatever has excellence, on whatever is worthy of praise, meaning we must be careful what we read and what we watch and what we listen to. We are to be content in all circumstances, whether we have everything, whether we have nothing. We are to live reasonable, pure, wholesome, obedient lives. Ultimately, Paul says what we have learned and received and heard and seen in him, we're to practice these things, to live these things, to apply these things to our everyday lives and relationships. In other words, we're to have the mindset of Jesus. We're to live the way of Jesus under the lordship of Jesus just as Paul did. And in doing so, Paul says, God's peace will guard our hearts and minds and lives in Christ and God's peace will be with us. But there's one last example given in this letter that Paul examines and pulls out for our consideration. So as for us to emulate or imitate. And it's an example of love. This is what he tells his Philippian readers, these believers in Philippi. He says in verse 18, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and a pleasing to God. Now in Philippians 2, at the heart of this letter, Paul urges the church to be one, to have unity in the community, to be one in spirit and one in mind, but also, he says, we are to be one in love. In other letters, Paul says it like this, let all that we do be done in love. Because as John argues, anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. So above everything, Paul says in Colossians, we're to put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony or unity. Peter said it like this, above all, we must keep loving one another earnestly. And this love that Scripture has in mind, that Paul has in mind, he describes it in 1 Corinthians. It's a love that is patient and kind. It's a love that does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. This love is not irritable. It's not resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. It rejoices with the truth. This love, it bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. This love, it never ends. And this love is ultimately modeled for us in Jesus. His lowly, humble birth, his life, his ministry, his teaching, his miracles, his service, his sacrificial death. This love is modeled for us in Jesus. And so when Paul says that we are to be of the same love, he's merely reminding us that we are to live like Jesus and love like Jesus. It's as Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You're also to love one another. And here at the end of Paul's letter, he's pulling out and putting forth an example of that kind of love. That example is gift giving. It's gift giving. That example of love is the gifts that the Philippian believers have sent to Paul, which were a fragrant offering. A sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. 
Now, we know these gifts were given in love and received in love because Paul uses the same language when describing Jesus' love for us in Ephesians 5, that Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, talking about at the cross, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Their gifts were a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. They were given in and received in love. So think about it like this, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Epaphroditus, who he mentions here, was sent by the church in Philippi with this financial care package, these gifts. And they were for Paul, who was not just in any prison, but in Roman prison. The Roman prison system, according to sources, did not provide for food, did not provide for clothing, did not provide for medical care. Support from others was crucial. So Epaphroditus literally traveled from Philippi to Rome, 800 miles to deliver these gifts, nearly dying on his way. Because that's like us going from Oklahoma City to Chicago, without a plane, without a train, without a car. And he did all this to deliver their gifts, their presents to Paul for Paul. They were generous, they were kind, they were sacrificial, giving out of what little they themselves had. They, in a way, gave Paul all they had. Why? Why deal with the traffic and the trauma of that night in Branson? Why deal with the suffering and the sorrow of the cross? Why send these gifts? Why give Paul all you had? Love. They loved Paul. Paul loved them. Just as Jesus loved us. And the same kind of love that you have for your family and friends and loved ones. Their gifts revealed their love for Paul. They were given in love and received in love, and they were merely loving the way Jesus loved us. And Paul is merely saying, continue to live this way. Continue to love in this way. So to conclude for us, let us think about our time, our margins in life, our money, our resources. Let's think about our skills and talents, our relationships and platforms. Think about our circumstances and conditions. Think about the choices and the paths that we, you and I have before us. Then, let us live like Jesus and love like Jesus in all of it. Giving what we have to one another. Giving all we have to one another in love. Because that's how Christ loved us. And Paul says, listen, and if you're worried about not having enough, he says, listen, in doing so, our God will supply every need of ours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So for us, in light of this letter Philippians, and especially in light of Christmas, let us pause, Let us reflect on and rejoice over the fact that God is the great gift giver. And on that first Christmas, he gave us the greatest gift, his one and only son, Jesus. Behold, the king has come, love has arrived. But let us also remember that since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Just as we have received his love in Jesus, so are we to reciprocate this love and body and express this love to others. So today... This Christmas Eve and in the days to come, behold the cradle, yes. Behold the cross, yes. But also behold the crown. 
Behold, our king has come. Love has arrived. And behold, our king is coming again. So let us rejoice. Let us rejoice always. Rejoice over the gift of God, Jesus. Rejoice over the love of God, Jesus. Then go and live that love. Just as he loved you. So proving yourselves to be the people of Jesus. Just as the Philippian church did. In other words, have the mindset of Jesus in all things and everything. Live like Jesus. Love like Jesus. So right now I'm going to invite our team forward. I'm going to ask that all heads just bow down for a moment. Eyes closed. I just want us together collectively to reflect on Jesus. To think about Jesus. To come to the cradle, yes. To come to the cross, but to come to the throne of the King. To think about Jesus. To set our minds on Jesus. To rejoice over Jesus together. But also let us consider his love for us. And consider how we've been called to love just as he loved us. To lay down our lives for one another. To give all we have to one another. Let us consider how we can live the way of Jesus and love like Jesus in everything. And we need to know that as I pray, you say here at a moment, and you're telling yourself, man, I don't even know this Jesus. I know about him. I know some facts about him, but I don't know him personally. Man, God loves you, and he's calling you into a personal relationship with Jesus. Even as I pray, if you need to make that decision to enter into that relationship with him, you can come down now, even during that time. Even if you just want to come and pray, you want to come pray with myself or Weston, we'll be down here. You can even come during this time. Let's just go to the Lord together. Father, we thank you. We love you. We praise you for Christmas, for Jesus. Father, I pray that we would fully know the love that you have for us, the love that you showed us and proved to us at the cross. And may we fully comprehend that you've called us to go and love just as you loved us. Especially in this Christmas season. Help us to sacrificially lay down our lives, so to speak, for one another. By this, people will know that we are followers of Jesus and give you all the glory. So stir our hearts and minds to live like Jesus, to love like Jesus. And if there's somebody in here today who does not know Jesus as their personal master, king, lord, savior, may they recognize the darkness they're in, the death they are in, the sin that they are in, and leave that light behind and enter into the light of Jesus. May today be the day of their salvation. We praise you, we love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand with us as we sing together. If you have a decision to make, you come forward. We'll be down here.